Cheers. Cheers. Welcome another episode on Ripe with Wisdom. We got your host Jesse, Jose, and Mix. And today we got my brother Paz joining us. How's it going, y'all? And today we are sipping a 2019 landmark Esco Road Vineyard Pinot Noir from the Santa Lucia Highlands ABA here in California. Gentlemen, I mean, what would you say about this wine right away? It tastes Save. like berries. Dark cherries. <laughs> yeah. Very aromatic. <laughs> very aromatic. Also the color, like a bright ruby, very light in color, very fresh, ripe. Very it, notes on it. It's red for sure. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, we know this is a red wine. Yeah, <laughs> let let me tell you, all right. It's, it's not a white wine. Definitely <laughs> an up and coming AVA for California, Santa Lucia Highlands, if nobody knows. It's out there in Soledad, kind of like Salinas Valley. Yeah, it's like right on the other side of the mountains from Big Sur. It's yeah. Like it's that fog and the good winds. But yeah. That's some really pretty fruit. Is it in Monterey County? Um, possibly. I'd have to double check that. But oh. yeah, definitely down south. In yeah. That area. yeah, in mm. Central Cali on the coast. Got that heavy fog influence. Damn. A little different than the Russian River. Okay, I'm mm. not going to lie. I'm a big fan of this wine. This one's tasting great. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if I taste a little residual sugar. Uh, it feels like there's a little bit of sweetness in here, but I kind of like it. Um, I mean, I think it's a great wine. I think it's a great wine, too. Yeah, cheers to that. That's some good stuff. Yeah. You know, I think in general, Pinots are a red wine I tend to gravitate towards a lot just because they're not as heavily tannic as some other reds or that you can drink within a few years without letting them age too long. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah, gotta love those thin-skinned berries. Yeah, and this kind of consistency of wine. So, yeah, well, let us introduce Paz a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, so Paz has worked me and Jesse at Gunlock. That's right, Harvest yeah. 2021. Harvest 2021. <laughs> he was the enologist. No yeah. No, no. I, I mean, I just do a bunch of lab stuff, but also know a bunch of cellar stuff. Can do. Mm -hmm. Whatever needs to be done, really, at a winery. So. Team player. Team player. <laughs> uh, great person to learn yeah. from. Um, I had the privilege of being his lab intern that 2021 season. Mm. Yeah, you I were tried to get host. Thanks, man. Yeah, we tried to get me on there. No, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I think I held it down for pause in the lab that year. Yeah. Mm. And uh, fuck that. We crushed it that year. We made it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was like a solid three and a half months, like six days straight. Dude. I remember, mm -hmm. that one. <laughs> I remember was, some of those days being pretty wild for what you told yeah. me. Dude, we were alternating weekends too, like just trying to. You were doing shows on the weekends too. Oh my gosh. Just trying, yeah. to, like, <laughs> just trying to decompress a little from Harvest. Yeah, I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah, when you play music and you make wine, like you've got to balance it at both ends. Yeah. And those Harvest. Those were intense, especially for Gun Bun, too, because they're such a music-oriented winery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there was always music going on. Definitely. I mean, we can't wait to get into those stories. Um, I know. <laughs> so a little bit more about Paz is that now he works at Foss. Tell us a little bit about your beginning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was actually born in Texas and went to college for chemistry. And so through chemistry, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, my senior elective – 
they had a choice between Ochem 3, Biochem 3, all of that. Mm-hmm. Then there was winemaking on there. And I was like, oh, let me take winemaking. And so I learned all about Texas winemaking and made some black Spanish magic wine. Ended up just loving it. And mm-hmm. I was like, this blends farming and chemistry. And you're learning something new every single year with this industry. So, um, yeah, I ended up just like going for winemaking after that. And so packed a week's worth of clothes, a fiddle, and my laptop and made it out here to California. Mm-hmm. What year was this? This was back in like 2010. So, oh <laughs> yeah, early pioneer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I just kind of went for it and I've been working in the wine industry ever since. And uh, first job I got was with the Martinelli's, just making wine in a barn and yeah. I was a vineyard sampler. It was amazing. So just like waking up at five in the morning, going out, picking fruit, coming back to the lab, analyzing that fruit and like just doing that every day of harvest. So getting to wake mm. up, go on hikes every morning. <laughs> How big was your team for uh, that harvest? Probably like, I would say 10. It wasn't like a huge crew. Okay. I mean, it's just like old farm boys making wine in a barn. Oh, it's not more like seven. Yeah, true. <laughs> was it mainly just like yeah. interns there? Or was it like yeah. seven? Yeah. It was quite a few interns and the two mm. full time. Like a small full time crew. Yeah. yeah. What type of wines did they make there? Uh, Pinot and Chardonnay. Yeah, the next harvest, I worked Chateau St. Jean in the lab for two years. What did mm-hmm. you do in between uh, look, looking for the next harvest? Where were you living out here in wine country? Oh, I was living in uh, Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa. Yeah. I liked it because of the song La Vie and Rose, and I was just like, oh, that's where I want to move to. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. And how was the wine scene back then like? Oh, it was awesome. Like, the worst thing you had to worry about was rain. And so, like, there was bumper crop years and everything uh, going on at that time. So, yeah, it was it was fun doing those harvests. There was no <laughs> fires? No, no, no. Like, that came around, man, like 2019. Mm-hmm. Anything but memorable from that first harvest that stuck out with you? From the very first harvest? Yeah. I mean, I was such a greenhorn, and I just wanted to do everything. It's so like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) like if I got a chance to work in the cellar, I was in the cellar. If I got a chance in the vineyards, I was out in the vineyards, like just learning from everyone in the lab too. So yeah, just wanting to do a little bit of everything that first harvest. So that's what was most memorable was like, yeah, the crew was so small that you could do everything and like learn from some really cool Mm -hmm. people along the way. Oh yeah. Sounded like our kind of experience. We got to do everything. Yeah, I know Miguel was mainly the lab guy, but <laughs> we got to go poke our heads in there yeah, when we wanted yeah. and so you yeah. ask questions. And yeah. I got to work today. Yeah, <laughs> I got to work with the DMA. Yeah. That's how we came up with Bucket. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Bucket was bored from an uh, internship type experience like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much wine gets disposed of though, and it's like, I mean, if you're in the lab, you're like, oh my gosh, we could definitely like ferment some of the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. treasure. It's not, it's liquid not trash. Gold. <laughs> it's yeah. liquid gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so much wine. Um, but I mean, that's the fun of it all. You're just like trying new things like every day and getting to like try new wines and like they're different like lifespans as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, the wine industry it definitely has like some super interesting parts. And then like you work for different wineries too and learn that every single place does it completely different in their own way and you have to like learn that way too but like 
I don't know. That's the other cool part about, I guess, the wine industry. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. seeing everyone that has their own different way. Of executing that vision <laughs> yeah. of wine. <laughs> yeah, so you get to learn quite a bit in the industry. So after Martinelli's, you went to work harvest at Chateau Saint-Jean? Yeah, Chateau Saint-Jean, and then mm-hmm. also worked at La Crema in the tasting room. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously? Mm-hmm. Okay, but both those houses are different, right? Like the wines they make? Yeah, definitely. Like Chateau Saint Jean is Sonoma Valley and like La Crema, yeah. Kind of like a five or varietal blend. Mm hmm. Yeah, the Cinque 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 Sauvages. Yeah. And then La Crema is more. It's like Russian River, Pinot, Chard, stuff like that. Is it bulk volume or was that smaller at that time? Um. no, they were definitely, like, big when I worked there. Oh, wait, but in the tasting room, yeah, they were definitely big, like, okay. the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I okay. mean, La Crema's always cool. been a big brand. That's a good balance. You got Pinot Chardonnay, and then, like, working with Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of refreshing. How was it working in the tasting room? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, the experiences you have in the tasting room, you really learn how to sell <laughs> wines. Like, you yeah. know exactly <laughs> what people are looking for afterwards, and then... You do. Yeah. Like honestly, and you could I don't know, pass off a lot of aromas like that are just mm. associated with reds. Like I don't know. The one I used to always use is chocolate covered strawberries because mm. who doesn't want to taste mm. that? <laughs> like mm. I don't know. Mm. Especially with the Zins. Yeah, just explain a wine that way or a Pinot mm. sometimes. Like but that definitely sold some wine and like mm-hmm. <laughs> you just kinda learn what people are looking for out there. Yeah. It's uh I think it's refreshing kind of still being with the consumer. Mm-hmm. hear what they like mm-hmm. and how they talk about wine we can get pretty lost in the lab in these tastings yeah definitely <laughs> at the end of the day you're still selling to a consumer exactly right? so. like, mm-hmm. you know but you can't drink all that wine by yourself in the lab it's just exactly. no way yeah. <laughs> so how was the lab when you said two years yeah yeah so i worked over at chateau saint jean just doing the lab stuff and they had all the good equipment there and you kind of get to see like how a mid-sized winery handles things. And then like when I moved to KJ, also got to see a lot of the, I guess, more corporate side of things. But you always saw like all the new stuff float through there as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was kind of interesting just to see like the difference between the lab at like Martinelli's versus St. Jean versus KJ. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, what was the difference? It was just like you could tell who had the deeper pockets. And mm-hmm. so... You would Better see, funding. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Did KJ have like Y15 stuff like that? I mean, they had everything. And then also just every single technology that people wanted to try out on a large scale, they'd go to KJ and be like, hey, can you try this out? Uh, and so oh, for our wow. listeners, oh, yeah. KJ is Kendall Jackson. Oh, yes. Yeah. Jackson. Yeah. Oh, but, um, no, there were just so mm. many things that they mm. were trying out, like in mm. the cellar as well. Like people just always wanted to try stuff out there. Mm. I mean, and they used it as a model for so many places because like then people could see like what it's like to run at a high efficiency place. Cause they've got a hundred thousand barrels mm. and like, we were making million gallon blends and like, yeah, it was just kind of wild. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, KJ, um, definitely learned a lot there too and got to see like how different wineries act at different sizes. Yeah. And then also, um, yeah, getting out of there. Cause I was there for about 10 years and then I moved over to Flanagan 
mm-hmm. and learn a whole different style of winemaking. Why did you leave Chateau Saint Jean? I'm curious. I'm sorry to backtrack, but oh, so it was kind of a weird one. But I got let go just because um, they were involved in this like weird sort of lawsuit with the CEO back in the day, gotcha. back in like 2012 or so. And so a lot of people just like got let go. And they, yeah, ended up selling St. Jean to, like, Foley family eventually. Oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) But um, there was a lot of shit that went down back then. And so that's why I ended up um, moving to Jackson. And how'd you find KJ? And, like, what did you apply? Oh, so (laughs) I went in there just as a seller hand. Yeah. I wanted to learn the seller. And I started off the barrels, moving, like, four-barrel racks. And, uh, yeah, just... We had to move about 2,000 barrels a day to keep up, like, with schedule. (laughs) So that was per floor. So your floor had to do, like, 2,000, and then the other floor, 2,000. So it was 8,000 total that you had to work a day, and there was 100,000 barrels that we had to work. How many floors were there? Uh, Four floors. Damn. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. I can't even fathom that. Unless I walk through there, I could comprehend it, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, yeah. bro. Oh, it was that was reality. And then on the other side, there was the skilled seller side, which is what I moved to later. There, you were making like three point five million gallon blend at a time. Sometimes that is not a skilled seller. <laughs> <laughs> you like were the, moving like three inch hoses. Holy shit. They mm. were all fifty footers, and like holy you're doing shit. like a hundred to two hundred a day, just like holy yeah. shit. <laughs> I, I and then reaching measurements <laughs> the entire time to make the blend. Because you're just like, all right. And yeah. then you call it off by the call quarter the, inch. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys have to have walkies and be oh, like, yeah. hey, can you turn off the pump? And, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just yeah. filling like 400,000 gallon tanks at a time and like mm-hmm. bringing them up like 30 measurements from 30 source tank. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It was insane. Get that blend though. <laughs> are, the, so, are the tanks like. They must be, like, the size of, like, whole buildings, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. they're probably, like, 30 feet high and, like, I don't know, 30 feet wide, I would uh-huh. say. Oh, my God. So, how many gallons was, like, each tank? 100,000. Oh, shit. So, we had to mix 30 or 35 of them to make a 3.5 million. Yeah. Blend. Nice. <laughs> I feel like that's how it was in Trincara. Because oh uh, we had nine 300,000 gallon tanks. Oh, those are pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane to think yeah. about now, like mm-hmm. the places I've worked for now. I'm like, mm-hmm. good Lord, that's you look yeah. back at that and you're just like, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, damn, I work at Trinkero, like in Loda. That's I, so crazy. I had to get you out of there. <laughs> yeah, I had to get you out of there. When you yeah. told me where you were working, I was like, no. Bro, get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, run, run. Yeah. Do you know what I just remembered? That you talked someone into leaving from mm. Chinchero, remember? I did, I did. I told him to go to a smaller winery, and he did. He listened to me and went to a smaller winery. It's such win- a good idea. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Yeah, and when he applied to it, he was all like, hey, man, I applied to this winery. It's literally just going to be me, the winemaker, and the seller. And I was like, dude leave that's awesome <laughs> i was yeah. just remembering that that was funny mm. oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. not just like trash a big corporation but obviously you learned a lot there and also there was yeah. like some pros and cons to everything so oh definitely share some of those for the audience if they want to consider working at a big corporation like constellation enj treasury mm. wine estates 
Gosh. Any of these big uh, conglomerates. Um, It's worth it for where it's, like, it's valued because there's some spots where you're going to learn a lot. Like, you're seeing every single technology out there at that time. And so if you work for one of those big corporate places, you'll probably see a lot and learn a lot, but you're also making wine at that level, and it's tough to... I mean, you can keep quality, but it's definitely a lot of hard work. So I don't know. At the smaller places, they just focus on those fine details so much more. And I think that's where you get a lot of like good winemaking experiences, learning from that. So getting both sides. I would say like if you want to work for a corporation, it is what it's worth. But also, I mean, there's so much to learn out there and so many fun wineries to work at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, don't spend too much time there. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha, yeah. You spent 10 years there oh, I as sp- a seller guy? Did you, like, move oh. up? Oh, no, I moved up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I did seller. I did mm-hmm. enology. Like, yeah, I was just hanging out with a lot of, like, like the wine master, Randy Olam. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so many cool people I got to meet in that. So mm-hmm. I definitely moved up. Uh, but then I had to move out just because it was so corporate. And yeah. a buddy of mine was like, we got to save your soul. Just come work yeah. at this winery. <laughs> yeah, uh, And they're like, we'll give you a fancy title. And like, pretty much you're just going to do everything. And I was mm-hmm. like, sweet. So went back, uh, worked at Flanagan after KJ. And um, yeah, I just got to do a little bit of everything. And mm-hmm. there was another guy that came on and he was a greenhorn. And mm-hmm. just inspired him to start his own brand and everything. So now he's making wine. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, doing pretty successful. Uh, it's Ficky Ficky. Like, Ficky Ficky? <laughs> yeah. Ficky Ficky. I'll have to look that up. What kind of wine does he make? Oh, all sorts of stuff. Pretty much just whatever he can get his hands on. Rye, and then like, rye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he makes it in a very natural way, like, and doesn't filter or fine. So it's kind of like a hipster-y thing, but also really badass tasting. Yeah. yeah. So. That's what I try to tell people. I want this uh, unfiltered. Look for that yeah. label. Yeah, I went there, and, like, it was just such a fun environment, like, yeah, I don't want to give too much away mm-hmm. on the podcast, but there's a lot of fun that just goes at harvest at a small winery. Like, yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Too like, afraid to share, bro? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, like, God damn it. Um, party too hard? <laughs> I mean, yes, but also so much more. Um, yeah. <laughs> damn, I really don't know how much I can like. Yeah. Or just say one story. <laughs> Okay, like, I mean, we were pretty close to Healdsburg, so we would be able to, like, go into town, Mm -hmm. and we made friends with one of the major restaurants in Healdsburg, Mm -hmm. but they also ended up distilling alcohol, and, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, we ended up, like, just making Irish coffees, like, the rest of the time (laughs) that we, (laughs) had to go and get up on the sorting table and stuff like that, and, like, yeah. It was pretty fun. I mean, everything in moderation. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Um, And there was a water tower there that you could go and look over the whole town of Healdsburg from, which was just over vineyards and out looking over everything. And so So uh, we'd end the day there and have safety meetings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Safety meetings. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love those safety um, meetings. Yeah, so <laughs> it was a good time. It was definitely not corporate, and so got to get out of that whole mindset and went to New Zealand. How long were you at uh, Flanagan? 
Uh, not too long. I was just there for harvest. One harvest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said you went to New Zealand. How did you find that job? Uh, that was through Flanagan. It was at Manowar, like over on Waiheke Island. Mm-hmm. So like outside of Auckland, you took this ferry boat, and then you were on this other island outside Shit. of an island. It was beautiful. There were <coughs> beaches. There was vineyards. Everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. Very absolutely. remote. Yeah, very remote too. Did you guys only make soft blanc? Or? You know, I ended up like coming back home uh, to see this girl for Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then I ended up getting the job over at Valley of the Moon after mm. that just because came home to surprise this girl and be there because she had just been through a breakup. And it was, yeah, I don't know. I was like, oh, I got to get back and see this girl. Wait, wait, this is after the harvest? Mm-hmm. So, or no, right before the harvest. So you didn't even go to the harvest in New Zealand. No, I didn't get so, to stay for that. Oh, yeah, I just okay. hung out with all the winemakers and like chilled, played violin up there, and like, oh, yeah. yeah, it was okay. a great time. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> so you were already out there. I was out there. Yeah, yeah. And you bailed. Yeah, because I wanted to go fall in love with this girl and like. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> the trouble so, in paradise, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So ended up coming back and then got that job at Valley of the Moon because um, they needed a cellar hand. It was just one old man in the cellar there. Oh, was it Don Jose? Yeah, Don Jose. (laughs) (laughs) It was Don Jose. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I got there, and he was the only cellar person there. It was ridiculous. Oh, if you knew this guy, he was, like, so old. But he's diehard still, though. He was the only guy there. This dude got some heart still. Yeah. (laughs) This dude got some heart still. Yo, respect to all these old workers out here that don't want to stop working, bro. He walked to work every day, right? I mean, granted, he lived, like, two blocks, three blocks away. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's reasonable out here in wine country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he had worked there 30 years. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, my buddy called me up, and he's like, hey, do you want a seller spot? Like, this is the only guy we got right now. (laughs) And I was like, sure. (laughs) And then they ended up getting bought out by Gun Bun. And so uh, I was working at Valley of the Moon for a while. What year is this when you came back from New Zealand? uh, 2018 or 17. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Was the winemaker JJ at the time or no? No, no. It was this guy, Mark Beeman. And now Mm -hmm. he's a VP over at Treasury. Mm -hmm. Not Treasury, Foley. Sorry, Foley. But yeah. um, So he was the winemaker and he had just gotten in from Hawaii making pineapple wine. So he was like showing us all these cool techniques and everything. And then the gun bun ended up buying the place. So we had to empty out, I want to say like, Everything but 500 barrels of wine, and they had like 2,300 in there or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, they, they could squeeze a lot of barrels in that room. Because I remember we had to empty 1,800, clean them, and then load them on trucks. Like, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. It was like, oh my gosh. I've never seen a winery close and then a new one open and like work for the two different owners. And that was such an interesting What year experience. was that? Uh, 2017, 18. Elaborate on that because that's a very unique experience. I don't think mm-hmm. many people get to experience. Oh, yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. When we found out that, like, Valley of the Moon had been bought, we're like, oh, shit. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Some sad vibes, but also, like, okay, we've got a lot of work ahead of us because they, like, gave us all these bonuses to stay on until the end. I definitely want to, like, keep doing what I need to do. 
get all this wine out for y'all. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then I was playing violin in the cellar, like as we were emptying it and the acoustics were amazing. (laughs) Did you Uh, record? Oh yeah. I recorded a lot of videos of that. It was so much fun. So had to empty out, clean out. And then I was playing violin in there one time and the dad, um, Jeff, um, Jim, yeah, Jim Bunchy yeah, yeah, like yeah. came through and I was playing Jimmy. by nah. yeah. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, can I help you?" just because I thought he was a lost old man and he's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm just looking around. My family just bought the place." And I was like, "Oh, cool. Who's your family?" <laughs> and like not knowing who he was. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, we're with the Bunchies. We just picked up the place." And I was like, "Oh, cool." He's like, "What's more important to you, music or wine?" And I was like, "Well, I like them both equally. <laughs> and mm. he's like, you got to get your priorities straight, son. Wine's way better. And I was yeah. like, ah, that was a trick question, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like a, it was yeah. like a you're hired or you're fired moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, they brought me on. So luckily, like, it worked out. You're hired. <laughs> I feel but, like if you picked music, you'd probably be like, nah, not this dude. <laughs> yeah. How many people from the old cruise uh, merged on to Gun Bun? Uh, Jerry did, Carlos did, and I did. Okay. And how many people got dropped? And Don Jose dropped? that first season. <laughs> and how many people got dropped? Yeah. More than a handful? Oh, yeah. I think Carlos is still there. Me, Don Jose, Jerry's mm-hmm. still there. Gunman was a lot of fun to work for. It was definitely worth it for what it was worth to. It was, dog. I had a great time there. They just didn't know how to manage it right. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder they were doing those crazy audits. <laughs> they were just throwing money. Well, I mean, they hired going. a bunch of people. They bunch fired of, a, they bunch fired of a bunch of people. <laughs> it's good working where I am now, too. Mm-hmm. Like, the wine industry, I feel like everything just keeps changing all the time. And so you definitely got to be with a company that adapts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like all this stuff because good lord there's so many things happening in the industry right now it I was mean, a good harvest though. i mean like it was a fairly new facility mm-hmm. so i enjoyed that about it um the lab was right there on the premise and that space has so much history i don't know if you ever got into it but like saw how general vallejo owned it also there was a train station there there used to be railroad tracks straight through there it's so wild to think about oh that's pretty cool <laughs> Awesome. I didn't even know any of that history. You said General Vallejo owned it? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm going to have to look into this stuff. I think mm. the Hearst family owned it as well. Like, there are so many cool families like the, that own that place. The newspaper? Like, mm-hmm. the Hearst? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. The fact that the mm-hmm. Bunchus bought it too, it's just been through so many cool families. Yeah. yeah. No, I had a good time. We made a lot of wine. We made a lot of wine. Many yeah. different varietals. I was even thinking back to like how many tanks there were. There was probably at like a solid 60 plus tanks. Uh, I hated the <laughs> tanks in the pit. Nobody knew how to measure those tanks except for like I Don Jose. About those tanks in the pit. <laughs> Nobody, yeah. Nobody. How to measure yeah, those anything. tanks, they're shaped yeah. so oddly. Yeah. And they're on a slant and they're from Canada. So like, mm. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, because a Canadian family bought it when it was Valley of the Moon. And they brought a bunch of Canadian made tanks down there because I guess it was cheaper. And so... They have all these like oddly shaped tanks that are in this one like area. <laughs> I'm surprised. It, I guess it's hard to sell those, huh? So they just keep them. I mean, probably, yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like Gunlock kind of needed those tanks too oh, at yeah, the 2020 so much wine. one harvest. <laughs> they yeah. A ton of wine. Yeah. <laughs> I was even like thinking back to how much wine I tasted every morning. Mm-hmm. 
Just smelling and tasting all that wine throughout yeah. the ferment. Oh, yeah. I love doing great all the samples. Mm-hmm. I had a great samples. time in the lab. That was such a great learning experience. I look back at it and uh, I'm very thankful for it. Mm-hmm. We were just thrown in the fire. Oh, yeah. Because I think you just got promoted from seller to lab. Just picking up everything <laughs> and, like, you know, doing what we could to match ETS and, like, make sure all the numbers were always mm-hmm. right. And so. I don't know. Like for me, I feel like as long as you're doing as good as the standardized lab, then you're doing all right. Oh, <laughs> there <yeah>. you go. <laughs> Question: so. though, Like, how was it working at Gunlock in the lab? Because I know it's like different than like Kendall Jackson and stuff like that. Because like you guys didn't have like a Y15 or anything. It was just enzymatics. That was the toughest part. Mm. Like they had a spectrophotometer mm. from like the 1990s. Mm. I mean, oh. this thing mm. looked like it was like printing off. Hey yo, oh, uh, my buddy yeah. though. It was so like old school and yeah. like a tank, but still not <laughs> fun to operate at all. Yeah. And how was it like managing all those wine samples? Cause I know we had like a lot of wine that year. <laughs> oh, there were so many wine samples. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Jesse helped me out like more than anything on that. Yeah. Cause I mean, he was running samples too. It I was, was running uh, samples. I was trying to write work orders. I was trying to do all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we reached a point where it was kind of like, yo, we got to find our rhythm. Yeah. Like, whatever we're doing right now is it's really not maximizing our potential mm-hmm. right now. So we revamped. We said, all right, you focus on additions and work orders, and I'll focus on all the B's and T's, bench trials, analysis wet chemistry i'll pump it out and then we just hit it from there establish a routine of you know juice analysis on day of receival let it cold settle after racking two days full analysis and then yeah. it was just like mm-hmm. it was just this whole process where it's like you had to write it on the calendar and i just kind of keep everybody on check because then like i had to make sure he was sending out the emails and we look good as a department Oh and my we, gosh! That, you know yeah. we did our job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we ran all the numbers and double, triple checked it, and here's the end of the day email. Yeah. Like, oh, it was so much. I mean, <laughs> it was a lot, but uh, I would say made um, it happen. I would definitely say I always started with whites, rosés, and then reds, just so I don't have to clean my equipment so much. Right. Yeah. Everything with efficiency. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just maximizing efficiency. Then on that spectrometer, I mean, uh, it was like only six samples at a time. Oh, yeah, that was horrible. And like, then, I can run 72 samples at a time yeah, right yeah, now. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> but on that spectrophotometer from, like, the old school <laughs> 90s one, it, you could run six samples at a time, and you had to change out the cuvettes every time. And I'm like, now that I know the technology that's out there and how much it costs, like, it's really a no-brainer. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Good Lord, you save <laughs> so much time and so much heartache, and they're so much more accurate. And exactly. Like, <laughs> it's, it's all of those with the new uh, new methods. Yeah. yeah. I think the Landmark kind of only has a four-slot, five-slot one, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no. I think we had a, s- a single slot. Yeah, or yeah, they a single up- slot. <laughs> just Let put them in s- one at a time. Yeah. Let me show you. Oh Let gosh. me show you, because they upgraded the... Oh, okay, because oh. okay, uh, <laughs> I was only gave one number before. So. I was so paused, and he was like, hey, oh. <laughs> but I mean. I'm so glad we right get to here? nerd out on wine stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 they did upgrade, dude. Look at that. Uh, 
Jesus. But I mean, Landmark doesn't get that many samples anyway. That's what you got yeah, going they on. They definitely oh, could man. get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not making that much wine no more. It's like we're making a little bit of wine. It would only run, you can only cool. do one cuvette at a time with the last one. So that's an improvement. I see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, I kind of want to try this uh, wine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We just yeah. opened an, another one here. Wine Jesse, why don't you tell mm. us about the second wine that we're Absolutely. drinking Absolutely. So similar to the first wine, this is also from the Santa Lucia Highlands AVA in California. But what's different from this one is uh, it's not a single vineyard designate. So it's an appellation. Super expressive. I'll pour I mean, myself a glass right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so nice. And it's completely different than the single vineyard. How so? Um, it's just a little bit fruitier. Uh, just a lot more of those like red fruits coming through. But it also has a different palate as well. It's a lot smoother, a lot more, I don't know, just approachable. The other one was a little more tannic. And this one, it's just, as soon as you take that sip, you're like, I could definitely drink this. Well, yeah. nice and more fruity. Definitely feels very soft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The tan is way more softer. Yeah. Or like how they would say, a porch pounder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah that, that's super delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, man, you've had some good experience in the industry. What made you want to leave Gun Bun? We can air <laughs> off while we all left Gun Bun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be a whole episode. Yeah. Uh, but I think we should just touch up for the listeners out there. Maybe that's an experience they may run into one day or they can learn from us. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. It just seemed like it wasn't working. And then I had just gotten in that accident. And then, I don't know, I was kind of... But also, you know, when you hit like November and it's that weird phase of the winery... Oh, it's like, gosh. Um, it slows down. Yeah. Everybody's like, so who do we start letting go? There's right? definitely a weird vibe right around the time that any of the like interns go, any of yeah. the people like around you start going. I mean, I don't know. It, Cause it is seasonal. And so the wine industry every year, like you make friends with all these badass people from around the world. And then eventually you're just like oh shit you're going back home and they're like yeah come visit and so you're like oh man i would love to go to italy and or yeah. like i would love to go to argentina that sounds amazing i can't wait but, to make those connections this year yeah <laughs> oh my gosh it's that's one of the best parts of harvest is just like all the people that you meet all the people like from all around the world that are just sharing ideas and yeah. like coming in there just to like one purpose to make good wine I love it. But yeah, backtrack. I felt like there was just some weird energy. I felt like I was being uh, outcasted. I wasn't getting invited to the tacos, the barbecues yeah. anymore for the weekly lunches or anything. Um, but the times that you d- were there, oh my gosh, were, you made me laugh were, so hard. But maybe, that why was just me. maybe that was just me because I try to instill excellence in this crew. I'm like, yo, we could be making better wine. Yeah, like, This is great wine that has the potential to be fairly good quality. Uh-huh. If we just tighten up a little bit in our sanitation practices and oh that's what most of the wine industry is it's just as clean as you can make it and that's how clean your wine is and they looked at me like yo fuck you this is your second year no fucking you think just because you came from the vineyard to the lab you can talk shit to us and that's how i got that receival bro from because you gotta remember i talk spanish to all these motherfuckers (laughs) i cuss them out in spanish too i talk i jokes with them i slam them but I also call them out on their shit in Spanish. So they saw me differently. So maybe I think it was my time. And before, <laughs> before they were about to cut people, I was just like, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah. It was the day when we went to 410s. Remember? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of, uh, 
five days a week. Or wasn't it? Eight hour the, it was the week, right? That we went it to It was four. that Monday. It was the first Monday of a 10-hour day for a four-day week. And oh, my gosh. I had just ran samples or something. And I was like, so what else I got to do for today? And they're like, <laughs> So I was like, well. No, I mean, on days like that, you just, like, walk through the vineyard. You just yeah. space out for a little yeah. bit. Like, I, didn't I mean, know the wine that, industry has days like that. I didn't that. know that. There's like that. <laughs> I was young. See, I was hungry. I was just like, yo, we should be improving. Probably no time to fuck. No, there are times to relax. There's time yeah. to exactly, go. So. Like, when you got to go, you go. But, like, when you can relax, definitely enjoy those I'm moments. Just, I'm yeah. aware to that now. I've learned the hard way. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I left. Why did you guys leave after me? One for me is because they promised me the lab twice after, after I left. Yeah, after Jesse left, I asked if I could work in the lab. They said, "Yeah, I with can." The, and pause yeah. came, to and then they that. backtracked. I and, kept trying to get you in there. Yeah, I would yeah. bring it up like, "Can he just come help out in the lab? He really wants to learn." And like brought it up multiple times. Yeah. Like, oh well, I don't know. And like, I was like, "What the heck? Everyone's yeah. cool with it." So. But yeah. then the the last straw from you is when they had helping oh, you out, and that yes. pissed me off. Because <laughs> yeah. you were supposed to report to the lab one day, yeah. right? And then she said you can't do it because she didn't want things to get political. And then I saw it. I was like, what do you mean? That's the most political choice there is. Oh, <laughs> later, yeah. later that day. <laughs> so, yes, this is yeah. definitely part of the reason why I quit. It. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it was just like, what the hell? Like, yeah. I don't know. If somebody wants to learn something, I'm down to teach That's it. What like, I'm no saying. matter yeah. what, like, yeah. But to have your boss do something weird like that, it's like, well, I still want to like teach. Can I? He, and like, his boss is cool with it. Can he just come over and learn? Like, mm-hmm. and, yeah. And so it was tough. Like, it was really I felt tough for you, my brother. Yeah. I was like, it was like every time I wanted to like do something like that or like teach something or anything. Like, oh man. Yeah, so it was tough working yeah. for that. And like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, respect to both y'all. Y'all both put in your two weeks. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So about the lab equipment, and it was like with the amount of wines that they were making there and the samples that they had going on and how much bottling they were about to get into the next year, I was like, we have to automate some stuff. And so, yeah, that was one of the main reasons. I was like, look, I put together this budget, everything. It showed all the cost analysis for how much this was going to save much we could also help our clients in every way and like yeah it put so much work into it and then it was like no right just quickly yeah. shot down and i was yeah. like what and then like i found out afterwards i'm like oh they got all the equipment that they wanted like through that and everything and mm-hmm. i think they got a y15 or something but right oh wait, now they do yeah i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure i don't yeah. know though not a hundred percent right but they definitely like automated it and i'm like damn yeah. And then they got rid of like my man uh like <laughs> yeah. a week afterwards too. And I was like, damn it, Luis, why'd you tell me that? Yeah. Well, because yeah. you put so much time into figuring that out for what they could do, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they saw like after you left that they're like, Oh shit, maybe the next guy that comes here <laughs> we actually need that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, there were so many like weird experiences with my old boss. <laughs> yeah. I would yeah. say a great interview question would be to ask how did the last person do in this position or why did they leave you know see their response or how many people have left in the past year yeah oh man so many people i've talked to like yeah eric i think he just put in his and like he's going to work 
in Napa. But yeah, I talked to Eric too, and he said he was leaving. <laughs> but that's like a whole other story. Oh, yeah. I got to get him on the podcast too. You yeah. definitely do. Yeah, that'd be a, a good perspective. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Great perspective. Yeah, yeah. Him, so yeah, yeah, with like him teaching like the interns oh and stuff. Gosh, like yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I love that. So many good stories. So great harvest. Um, so what was your next step after that? Where did you want to go or did you just kind of see where you'd land? To be honest with you, I put out my job application and like even before I left Gun Bun, I was putting out my resume and pretty much applied for assistant winemaker positions, enologist positions, lab positions, whatever. Um, and I ended up landing a few of the jobs like one was for an assistant winemaker i want to say in napa one was for enologist up in like anderson valley and then this one was just for a lab tech position but it paid the most somehow and it was close to my house and i was like well i'll definitely take that and I, then i found out about the wines and i was like these wines are incredible oh my god <laughs> and it was honestly the way that i could describe it the best way is it's one of those like classic car rust buckets, but they popped a Corvette engine in there. <laughs> it is incredible the wines that they're making in there. But from the outside, it looks like a rust bucket. Oh, yeah, I've been yeah. there. It looks like it could easily be on a port, on a dock. So, like, where do you work for right now? So, right now I'm working for, so I do the, all the lab work for Faust, Quintessa, Flowers. And Benton Lane. Mm-hmm. And he actually works with a former seller master at Land- Landmark, right? Shane. Oh, yeah, Shane. <laughs> yeah. He was a seller master during our 2020 uh, Landmark Harvest. harvest. Yeah. So, yeah. small community, yeah. you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the wine world. Oh, you run into multiple characters mm-hmm. so many times over and over. Like, that's one thing that I've always learned in the wine industry is just keep people on a good repertoire where you can go back and forth at any point in time because you never know who you're going to run into again and so (laughs) yeah you always just like keep everyone on good terms uh yeah it's a small knit industry like running into shane that was wild like (laughs) Mm -hmm. i love it but then it also shows you like um when people want to grow like you said you never know where you might run into them Mm -hmm. further on down the road Mm -hmm. um How's that experience been with that team? Oh, my gosh. Um, It's a great team. They make some of the best wines that I've ever had. So they're Napa Valley Cabernet. And they get a little bit of Sonoma fruit, too. There's definitely so much character to it all. And I think that goes into our big red wine blend. But they pull from some of the best vineyards that I've ever worked for in my whole career. And they just bring them and put them into a red wine blend. And that red wine blend is so good. Mm-hmm. Damn. Where do they pull from? Um, So, like, at least some of the vineyards that I've seen are, like, Moon Mountain and then some Beckstoffer stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, just all sorts of, like, different growers. Mm-hmm. Um, they got the good connections. Yeah, so many different growers. I'm not sure if Beckstoffer is one of those or not. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, um, he's a good grower. <laughs> yeah, he grows a lot of different yeah. Napa calves. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just kind of generalizing. I was yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not sure if we actually get Beckstoffer or not, but we do get quite a few different growers from all around the county. 
And I'm pretty sure there's like some Knights Valley cab in there. There's some Moon mm. Mountain cab. There's all sorts of good stuff. Um, and yeah, they source it all together and then they throw it into a big red wine blend. And oh my God. And I saw some gun bun stuff going there too. And I was <laughs> like, oh shit, I know this fruit. And they made that wine so good. Like it would even make gun bun proud yeah. to try that one. Honestly, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Silver Oak also bought gun bun wine. Oh, yeah, <laughs> gun yeah, bun yeah. grapes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that wine is so good. Um, yeah. yeah. So I still get to sample that and mm. see that stuff coming to be, but the winemaker that I work for, he's playing a game of chess. Well, there's definitely some winemakers out there playing chess as well, but I'd say for the most part, they're all just like thinking one step ahead of the next. But there's definitely some out there, maybe quite a few, that like think a year in advance or like two years, and they can see it like even from the very beginning what this is going to turn into mm-hmm. and like where it's going to go into the market, mm-hmm. everything. Where I'd say this winemaker's at, like he's just played so many times that he knows exactly where it's going and even depending on like weather and stuff like that oh he's so good with it yeah. like yeah That's so awesome, bro. Mm-hmm. i think uh what i'm getting out of this is because i learned it just the other day barrel tasting with this other guy the wine industry is like a never-ending journey of learning you're always gonna learn every year mm-hmm. for sure never feel like you have everything to your arsenal so just being open to constantly learn I think the main point of the wine industry is like I learn something new every day, but also you got to be open to learning. Like if you ever close your mind off to learning, I've met some of these cats that have like worked the same job for 30 years and they're just like, Oh, I can't learn anything else. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like there's so much more to learn. And then there's also cats that are like 40 years in the wine industry and there's like, there's still so much more to learn. This Mm. is a lifetime journey. So like you run across both types of personalities and even more like there's so many characters in the wine industry and they're all on their own path and like doing their thing. Mm. (laughs) And it's just a beautiful thing to see, especially people from all around the world, people locally, like everybody's on their own path in this wine industry. And there's so much to learn. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys get that a little bit? I too? get that. And yeah. <laughs> no, I think you see when the people who love it and enjoy it passionately all say the same thing. It's like you'll never stop learning or stay curious. And then, like you said, there's other people who are just like, yeah, uh, I'm just holding this position down. And I don't really see myself wanting to get lab samples. I don't want to do, you know, I'll do the grunt work. So that's what I've been accepting with the Jose, too. Not in the disrespectful, but he loves the grunt seller work. Oh, I do, too. And, you know, the best. So I, I don't mind it, too. Like, But vineyard work, I love that. You got to love every yeah. part of the industry. Yeah, you got to respect <laughs> it all. I'm not going to lie. Mean, I got to do that at Silver Oak, like picking grapes in Miguel. Yeah. Like last harvest. It's fucking great. I liked being out there. It's nice and peaceful. <laughs> No, the best Mm -hmm. advice I ever got in the wine industry was um, Randy Olam once told me, never ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself first. Mm -hmm. Great. And I was like, oh, man. And he's like, yeah, if you're asking people to prune a certain way, go out and prune the fields like for one day, just like them. And like make sure that this is like a doable thing that you're asking people. Yeah. And like. Also, cleaning drains. If I ever ask anybody to clean drains, I'm down there with them the first time or like at least a couple times because you're like, I got to see what I'm doing here because, yeah, I don't know. 
Never ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't I've, do first. I've cleaned like, my fair share of drains. <laughs> I know Jose saying. has. I have. Yeah, yeah that's Again, like. Have you ever cleaned some drains? That, that I you know, I think that's the one thing I don't know how I've managed to not do. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like I've done There's a fair amount so of cellar work. so many times to clean drains. I like, know, but for <laughs> some reason, I was never there, apparently. Uh, yeah. But, uh. I've done a lot of the, uh, I don't know. I, oh, there's so much There's a lot of jobs I have and haven't done in the wine industry, like you said. I mean, I could do to learn, you know, how to clean some drains for sure. You definitely power washed, right? Yeah, yeah, I power washed. <laughs> yeah. You've cleaned the press and everything, right? No, I've not cleaned the press. Yeah. yeah, yeah He's no, never, no. Wait, you've never gone in the press. I'm kind you of like, I've gone done a mix of like <laughs> Bailey <laughs> lab, but then I go into the cellar and I occasionally like pick up things as I go. That's cool, so, too. Like, yeah. Now, we had to throw Miguel in a tank. Like, get in there, soldier. Yeah. <laughs> you got to. <laughs> you got to. Like, that's part of harvest. Like, Well, I mean, Miguel did shovel pumice. I, I, I did shovel in pumice bin. in the bid, you know? like oh, I've seen so much funny shit in the cellar. Like, fucking <laughs> digging out tanks. Like, there's a French guy. Oh, man. I'm not going to say the winery. But there is a French guy that, like... Hung his balls like from the front. <laughs> <And>, like, <laughs> they would call the manager over and be like, "Hey, this guy needs to talk to you. I think he's uh, like having trouble in the tank." And then they'd go, and it was just like hanging there. Oh. Like, so much funny shit. Like, there's so many good ones in the cellar. I mean, I could tell you some of mine personally too, but like, I mean, once, oh yeah. My God. No, no, those yeah, are Lord. those are the times, dude. Oh, they're this shit hilarious. I run near that movie, funny. Waiting. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> definitely like, like that. And you're just like, you guys are crazy fucks. Like, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much fun. Like, that that's part of harvest. It's yeah. So we've uh, talked a good portion about your professional career. Mm-hmm. Uh, we definitely like to talk a little bit about our hobbies just because, you know, we don't like to get too distracted with work. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's easy to get overwhelmed and exactly just, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, just kind of feel like you're just neck deep all the time with work and constantly reading and keeping up with new material. Uh, but for those who don't know, Paz is also a musician. Yeah, I play a little bit of fiddle. My man is a natural born musician Share with the folks Some of the instruments you play What got you into music How long you've been playing Yeah I started when I was 10 So I was actually playing the baritone at first And I was playing bass, guitar But I played the baritone And I had to walk a mile home from school So I picked up the lightest instrument I could find And that's how I started the violin (laughs) Uh, <laughs> that's that's how it. just it was the lightest instrument you can pick up. I, well, my mom made me play music. She was like, "You got to play music," and so <laughs> you didn't pick up you a flute or it. something. I'm not picking up a, a harmonica. Flute. <laughs> 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 no, no. Um, yeah, so I got the violin and ended up learning how to play fiddle in Texas, and I've been playing violin, fiddle, classically trained since I was ten. Very just good at it, too. I've heard him play. I just show up early to work, and he's out there playing in the vineyards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just the vineyards was my only crowd for a while. It was great. <laughs> That's how I know. It was like we're They're the best audience. Yeah. They always applause. With uh, the- oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a great 
it's honestly two like lifestyles that blend really naturally. And so like if you're out in the vineyards playing violin, like nobody's gonna object to that being your reality. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I wouldn't either. If I saw someone out there, I'd be like, oh, that's kinda chill, like yeah. carry on. Like <laughs> Yeah. No, it's just about any vineyard I've ever played in and I'm just playing violin, people are like, right on. Yeah, just, yeah. it's the landscape. You're like, Yeah, I don't know why I would expect this here, but it fits the mood, so I'll stay there. Keep yeah, playing. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it really does blend quite naturally is all I'm trying to say. And it's also fun just being able to play fiddle, like being able to play hip hop, like playing any style of music. I mean, violin's been a lot of fun. And if you've been playing since you were 10, it's like a language. So at one point in time, I was a 20 year old speaking in violin or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. like, yeah, now I've gotten a little bit older and I can still play like and I'm just getting all these old Doc Watson tunes down, and it's been so much fun. Um, I will say, though, trying to play violin during harvest is fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the very first harvest, when I was doing the sampling job, I'd have to wake up at 4 in the morning, be on the road at 5 in the morning, like clock in, be on the road, go sample fruit. And then I would play shows from like 10 at night till 2 in the morning. Multiple oh times a my week. God. And I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> when you're young in your early 20s, you got that when energy. In your early 20s, you just bounce you right back. You're like, like I, I, I got this. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> so you go like two to four hours of sleep. That's all I need. Up and get good. Good. And you're like, I'm good. <laughs> rally. <laughs> I lay down. I'm good. <laughs> I lay down. I went back to work. That's all I do. Just eat, sleep, repeat. I mean, that's mm-hmm. harvest. That is but harvest. When you try and balance music in there, it's so ridiculous. Right. Because all the most fun things are happening during harvest, too. And so uh, if you're a musician during harvest, people are calling you up like, hey, can you come play this event? And you're like, oh. Yeah. I got to do this now. Okay. How did you get started on those gigs or like going to events? I'm just curious for anyone that has talent with music and wants to you know, find those things. Like how did that happen? To be honest, it's just networking. And like one of the great things about the wine industry is your network's already pretty big. So like you go to places and you're like, oh, I know at least a couple people here. And Mm -hmm. then like you meet the owners of places. They find out you play music. You network with them and talk some more and then say, hey, do you ever have an event going on? Like, I can cover this style of music or I have a full band, whatever you need. Like, I'm here. And then you just give a card and then, bam, you've got the contact. Okay, So, I mean, that's one way of doing it. But also, they're just friends. Like, some of these places where the wine tasting room manager is just like a friend of yours from back in the day. And they're like, oh, you play music. I remember you used to play violin out in the vines. Right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. They're like, I remember this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just been, like, time out here, having good experiences with people and, you know, really just networking with people. Because, like, you introduce yourself to them and then... Find out you're a musician or you're just randomly walking through the vines playing violin. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, hey, we got a winery. You want to play here too? Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, yeah. I like your style. You want, you want to do it over here? Like, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess that's been the main way. There's also busking. The way that I see busking is when you're playing music out on the streets, you're pretty much like bringing a nice, like, inviting atmosphere to the people because you've got to really like connect with the place that you're playing at as well 
like I'm not gonna play the same thing in downtown Petaluma that I would in downtown Healdsburg. Okay, sure. Yeah. Like I'm really going all out on like poppy stuff in Petaluma and like having fun. And then I'm doing like old nineteen fifties like love tunes in right. Healdsburg. <laughs> and like you just do what you think people are gonna like and are you playing in Katati. In Katati? Yeah. Um, is Katati like more college people? Yeah, Katati college is crowd. college crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Katati uh, crawl. Like Spanky's is so much fun in Katati's. Um, yeah, and then I mean, I guess Trade Winds is that still there? Yeah, Trade Winds is the still there. They, do, they have <laughs> they have karaoke every Friday night. Oh shit! <laughs> if oh, you yeah. want to go, you can catch me there. <laughs> oh man, I might be down for a karaoke night. I've yeah. never done karaoke before. Oh, you should do it. <laughs> I think my karaoke song would be Friends in Low Places. Yeah. <laughs> my go-to is sometimes Wonderwall by Oasis. <laughs> uh, What's Up by Four Non Blondes and oh, I Will man. Survive. <laughs> oh, those are some good ones. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, what would you play in Katati? Uh, Spanky's probably, but maybe... Man, what else? That was a random question. I wish that, <laughs> I wish I could say the Green Center. The Green mm. Center would be like my ideal place to play mm. because it's got the best acoustics in the world. There's lawn seating mm. and there's a big screen that you could see from the lawn. Mm. So if we played that place, that would be my ideal spot oh, because yeah. the and acoustics are so good. Yeah, mm. that would yeah. be the spot. When I was in high school, I was in choir and I did uh, some pieces there at the Green. Oh it's, my gosh! Yeah, no, it's a six. So spot. lucky! Like, I think you would fit well to play there. Oh, I, I would be so honored because, yeah. like, also if you're playing there, that means that they picked you as a local opening act for some big name that's actually playing there. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you right? get to like meet that person too in this process, and <laughs> oh, you, and you get to play in the most awesome spot in the whole world for acoustics. So. Yeah. I don't even think you need to be amped there. You could just play on the stage and you can hear it out in the field. That's yeah, awesome. I heard the acoustics are great there. I like you sit anywhere. How did you form the group? Did you join the group? Uh, how yeah. did you come about with your group that you play with? Yeah, cause uh, you're currently playing in a, in a, in a band, right? Aaron? Called um, Julian Julia the, the Wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I've always wanted to get into the bluegrass style. And my buddy Trav called me up and was like, hey, um, do you want to come meet with these guys? We're playing bluegrass music. And it's like, yeah, I'm down. Um, I'm not like the biggest bluegrass person. Right, yeah. I'm classically trained. I play Texas fiddle. Like I could play some <laughs> fiddle, but I'm not bluegrass trained because there's a very specific like style to bluegrass. And I had no idea. I mean, this is like more intricate than jazz. Really? Oh. It's like on the same level, I would say. Is it also like on the like but improvisational the f- as well? Or improvisational as well. Yeah. But here's the thing. Unlike jazz, well, I guess kind of like jazz, the faster you play, the better it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Undeniably, like the faster you play every single one of those songs, the better it sounds. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. So bluegrass is very peculiar in that way. And there's, very intricate parts. Uh-huh. So pretty much what somebody told me is that if you're doing the break and you're doing it the way that you want to do it, that's pretty much you saying, this is how I would put my melody over this song. Uh-huh. And then you've got to memorize the actual break. 
<laughs> yeah. So you've got to know both parts. Like you, if you do one or the other, then like purists are gonna just shake their heads at you. What do you mean by the break? Just for like. So the break is pretty much you soloing over a part. Otherwise, you're just boom chucking. Okay. So you're like boom chucking over these songs where it's like boom chuck, boom chuck, boom chuck, boom chuck, mm. and uh-huh. then you solo, and the solo is the break. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you have there's a melody that you have to memorize. And then you get to like it's like your access pass to like actually soloing. Okay, <laughs> so like, that's how bluegrass works. Is like you've got to know the A A, the B B, and it's like poetry, and you've got to memorize that, and then you get to like break free and do your own thing. Uh, so yeah. when you mean break free, you mean like improvising? Improvising. No wonder. Yeah, um, and there's people that have that down to an art. Yeah, <laughs> <no> <laughs> so good. No so. Go ahead. I was going to say, is that kind of like how jam bands do it too, in a way? Yes. Yeah. So um, mm. part of the Grateful Dead actually started a bluegrass right. band, and mm. that's how bluegrass got introduced to the Bay Area back in the 60s yeah. and 70s when it was on its rise, mm. is because like, um, oh man, I'm going to like butcher this part, but like David Grisman and a bunch mm. of other people from the dead gosh i hope i got that right otherwise the dead like are gonna jerry kill garcia <laughs> yes yes <laughs> but like those guys had these jam mm. bands that were doing like bluegrass stuff as well and so mm. um it's also invented a whole new genre called newgrass because bluegrass was very traditional to bill monroe and the bluegrass boys but mm. the bluegrass boys oh man i hope i get this right uh, Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I got that right. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's the other way around. Um, but they broke off, and they are also in their own names, like huge bluegrass stars. And so, what happened was people didn't want to say Bill Monroe's name out loud because he was calling venues and like, "Don't you book these boys? They're yeah. a bunch of ripoffs." <laughs> <and it's> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, people were like. They didn't want to mention Bill Monroe because everybody knew they had beef. And so they're like, hey, can you play that old bluegrass song? And that's mm. how bluegrass came to be. <laughs> that's <what's up. laughs> so those are the purest. It's like people who believe that only those Bill Monroe and the bluegrass boys songs are the bluegrass songs. Mm. <laughs> so I, everything else is new grass. Yeah. <laughs> I like subconsciously didn't even know I was listening to some jam band bluegrass Um until your roommate pointed out when I told him my favorite dead song was Viola Lee Blues. And he's like, oh, it's a jam band. Yeah, yeah. And right now when you were breaking down Bluegrass House, like A-A-B-B, and then you break off into your solo, and then you bring it back. That's it. That's yeah. it. I was like, that's why Viola Lee Blues was like my favorite song, because yeah. it brings you back to that same A-A-B-B tune. But then it'll just hit this certain point, it just like takes off and... Oh, how yeah. long yeah. every time it gets a little bit longer each three times <laughs> three times so it's like wow this dude's still going and you just like oh yeah. man but then he brings it back and you're just like oh back, yeah. back. Just like, well because to me sometimes when i think of jam bands it's kind of like jazz to me or like jazz oh it's all and on the same yeah. level like those guys yeah. are skilled musicians but maybe they got stoned maybe they did some drugs yeah. that's how jam bands start well i don't know if that's how every one of them starts but <laughs> that's how a majority of them yeah. i would say but even i found myself in that predicament where i'm like i'm starting a jam band this is yeah. bad <laughs> so but it's usually like me getting stoned playing guitar and then being like yeah. okay this works Mm. And then somebody joining in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, music's a huge part of this, like, whole industry as well. And 
I freaking love also getting to play music at different wineries because like I've played uh, for the people that own the castle and like in there's private vineyards. Oh, I've nice. played so many times at like all of the KJ owned properties. But mm-hmm. Sarah Lee's was my favorite, like walking through those vineyards and just playing. Mm-hmm. And oh, man. We can <laughs> open another one if you want. <laughs> we got more wine. We got a we got bunch of wine one. over there. You can more wine, bro. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. oh, this is such a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, man. We got our stuff on lock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for having me out. Here's a question that I have for regarding your music one of the questions that i was asked to ask you is one of your favorite moments on stage and i think as someone who aspires to be a performer of some sort uh i just yeah those moments of being on stage can feel make you feel alive what are the one of those moments that you had oh my gosh um honestly they all do because you have to stay present during it all and when you are there you're feeling the energy and you're feeling the crowd and you're feeling everyone like and what they expect, but you're also just tapping into a, I don't know, a universal energy as well Yeah. where you're just like, okay, this is how life is supposed to feel at this moment. And you just play your heart out and like, keep going. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's all like, I guess do that with all of your life, even though I know it's distracting <laughs> at times. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I would say that's when I feel most alive is just feeling everyone's energy that's going into it and like wanting to make that moment happen. And I'm like, okay, let's make that moment happen and just go for it myself. (laughs) So is there any particular memory that like one where like stage you play it or something, maybe you didn't expect to be there or you were there and and you just had this moment of like, I'm, I'm up. Oh yeah. I, I, Oh Sorry, not to make it general again, yeah. but like all the time, but there's one specific moment that I, I can remember. Um, but I always take my violin with me everywhere. And there is this one time, um, yeah, I took it to New Zealand and I was in Queenstown and it was just on the beach at sunset. There's a boat like docked with like, I don't know, a, an anchor thrown on the beach <laughs> right okay just hanging out in the beach right there and it if you've ever seen jurassic park or lord of the rings yeah this is what was surrounding me on all sides with a sunset beach oh shoot oh. <laughs> it was gorgeous and i had my violin with me and there's another guy who played the most insane 12 string guitar i've ever seen and it was beautiful it was just absolutely gorgeous everything he was playing and he's like hey man you want to play and uh-huh. i was like uh sure yeah i'm down <laughs> and so i started playing with him and i was just like he's so good and i right. just was like backing every note and i was like this is so beautiful like i'm so glad i can play this instrument right now because right to have that moment heck? you're just like man i was just all right, I'll I'll play with you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like, I'm so thankful for like my whole life that led up to this moment right here. This is amazing. That's so, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like playing music is like a universal language. 
It definitely is. Yeah, people understand music in every language. They understand what good music is. They understand what they like. Just like the rhythm, a beat. Like they understand. Yeah, they could they could catch it real quick. Sir, I think that's um something I've appreciated about like musicians, where someone could just be playing a note, a beat, and then they'll just chime in with what they feel right is right. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I'm like. I don't think I have that knack to just pick up a beat like that, you know? You get it with time. It's honestly, yeah. like, if you can converse with me, I can usually play music with you. <laughs> yeah. That's so, a good way of putting it, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. if you get to that point in your musical career where, like, you have to get past five years, you might have to get past ten, but, like, that's where you really learn your vocabulary is between, like, five and ten years. And so you sound like a... Or, at least for me on violin, I sounded like a screaming baby the first two years. Mm-hmm. I wasn't playing anything in tune. I was maybe even the first five. I wasn't playing anything in tune, but I was like making noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then afterwards, like from five to ten, I started to develop like some coherent sentences. And then like ten to fifteen picked up a little bit more. Fifteen to twenty, even more so. 20 to 25, really dialing it in. Like, yeah, you learn so much along the way. Yeah. And it's at this point, it's like conversing. So, like, if you play music and I can converse with you, we're going to play music well together. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. But but I like the way you describe music as being sort of like a language. It's like, it's going it to take time to learn that language. Yeah. <laughs> but when you can speak it and, and play that with other people and feel it yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, this is I mean, I know what you mean by feeling it. Like, mm-hmm. whenever I play the guitar, I feel like if you get into a certain mood, you're like, oh, shit, this sounds way better than me just, like, sitting back oh, and just, yeah. like, not trying, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're on to wine number three, everybody. Maybe uh, yeah. we could have our... Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I think this have is Miguel. because Miguel, Miguel going to have to talk us through this yeah. one. Uh, it is a exclusive 2020 that may or may not uh, ever really exist outside <laughs> of this podcast. Uh, right, yeah. right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's all I'll leave it, I'll leave it at that. Stop living in wine country exclusive. Uh, you know, yeah. Wine country exclusive. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's all I have to leave it at. <laughs> uh, am I mistaken? Is that a grower's lot? Is that a vineyard block? It's damn good wine. I can tell I you. I think that. it's an auction lot, potentially. Okay. I think, from what I can tell, the big four that looks like. And so gotcha, this could gotcha. be their auction lot for now. This and is, fantastic. you know, whether or not we edit out exactly all the details I just gave this you. Does smell fantastic. Uh, it's pretty tannic too. But like, it is a, such a good. It's wine. a bit early cab, so you're still going to get a lot of tannins. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> It is, I believe, I think it's an auction lot. And so those are like... Explain to people what's an auction lot. All right. If I don't edit this out, I will explain what an auction lot is. Uh, An auction lot is basically like their exclusive. They have their flagship, bro. And then they come up with an auction lot once a year that's sold to the highest bidder at like an auction that goes for big bucks. So this is kind of like the reserve... I guess of the best barrels. If they had a reserve, talk that shit, Mix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any other uh, music questions for, for Paz? If not, I kind of want to talk to yeah. him about some. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I know I probably talked you into it just because I'm all fired up year four in this industry. <laughs> but talk to the crowd a little bit. 
about wanting to start your own label. Oh, yeah. Uh, just kind of like getting it all started, your ups and downs through that experience. I think everybody kind of, once you get in this industry, you're like, or you start off like, I want to make wine. Oh, for you sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah. 100%. I think that bug bites everybody. And uh, maybe you could just share your experience trying to definitely create your own label. I was like, that bug definitely bites. Yeah, that, <laughs> I'm, I'm going for it again this year. Um, exactly. Every year, there's been years when you pretty much go out, you know some growers, you're like, hey, can I buy some fruit off of you? There's also years that you just make your own wine and people fucking drink it. Like there's been so many years where I worked for a bed and breakfast where we just made wine in house. And so, um, yeah, that bug bites everyone. I also make beer because oh, yeah. mm -hmm. beer is for the person who's not patient. Wine is for the person who is patient. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. So, but beer is for the cleanly person. Like you have to be as clean with your cleaning techniques as anyone on this yeah. planet. I mean, you you honestly have to be the cleanest person yeah. on the planet to like make good beer. But you can make it dirty if you want, but I would not recommend yeah. it. <laughs> what about mead? Because you can also make mead year round. Mead's a little bit more patient and then yeah. wine is like the most patient. Like mm, wine you're patient. in a like a year or two year game. Like as you're making it, you gotta enjoy every step of the process. Yeah. Mm. Um, because you're gonna be there for a year or two. Mm. Beer, you're there for like a month. You walk maybe that less. <laughs> maybe less. Like you can definitely yeah. get away with two weeks. But mm. um uh so that's why like I also brew beer, I make wine, um, whatever needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Um random question, but have you ever tried like cider? <laughs> like yes. trying making cider and it blew yeah. up in my so i had a, a, yeah. a room underneath yeah. the stairs mm -hmm. and i made persimmon cider uh, i've made a bunch of other ciders too like apple cider everything else and yeah. i like knew how to do it by yeah. this point but persimmon cider that's i made persimmon cider oh, yeah. i chopped it up into little squares <laughs> and I threw it in there and like just let it ferment and I let the juices come out naturally, everything. But all of the persimmons built up into a, like a cap. And the cap looked normal. Mm -hmm. It looked like it was just like barely fermenting. And I was like, yeah. oh, sweet. <laughs> but then I went to sleep and I hear this boom. <laughs> and I was like, what in the hell was that? It's so like I run downstairs. It sounded like a gunshot <laughs> went off. And, like, I opened this, and we had, like, five other beers fermenting at the same time, so I couldn't, like, go in there. It was just full of CO2. But I look up, oh. and the whole room <laughs> is covered in persimmons, like, no. everywhere. <laughs> it was the worst experience because it's, like, 2 in the morning, and the, you're just like, I'm not dealing with this right now. Yeah. But, like, you're looking up like, oh, God, I have all these other beers, yeah. and then that one just fucked up <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> so, like, there was persimmons everywhere, and I had to clean that all up the next morning. I was so bummed. Yeah. It was so sugary and, like, <laughs> so nasty. <laughs> I honestly so, kind of yeah. want to try a persimmon cider. Persimmon cider. Now I'm like weeping because I know I may not ever try that cider. Yeah. I know. Oh. <laughs> it's yeah. all on the walls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
That was so many years ago and so many lessons learned. <laughs> it's like, oh. Would you ever make one again? Um, uh, yeah, for sure. Wine, though. I'm down mm. to make wine, cider, beer, distillate, whatever. Oh, oh distillate that? too? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, so I'm that down. That seems like a, a bit of a horse, you know? Like, you know. Making, <laughs> making whiskey's not too bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, cause I've I never was, made it, I guess. So that's well, because I always thought <laughs> I would know. distilling, like, you could actually, like, really mess up. Like, if you distill, like, you can explode and stuff like that. You realize, I mean, not to be cocky or anything, but I did study a lot of chemistry. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. Degree. yeah. D- Distillation was, like, freshman level and then sophomore yeah. just to purify stuff. So we had to learn to purify everything. We had to, like, mm-hmm. get all our techniques down. But, yeah, um, I would love to do that in a copper kettle like they used to do. Yeah. That's oh. where I would be learning a whole new art form because yeah. people like weld those things together. They like make these cool ones. And like, if I could do that, that would be awesome. But also to make whiskey is like, I would like, as a chemist, I'd want to know my stuff was pure. Yeah. <laughs> True. So exactly like, right. yeah. I, I definitely would like make sure I got the heads and tails right yeah. at the whole equation. Yeah. Well, getting back to Jesse's no, question think, about um, creating a label. <laughs> yeah, maybe you want to share that experience with that fruit in Santa Lucia Highlands. Oh, yeah. That's so why I brought this wine out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little homage. Yeah. No, this was honestly the um, mm. the harvest that we lost. It was t- 2019, and that was the first year that the fires came through. Right. And, like... Oh man, it was brutal because like we had worked so hard. I had started a band. Um, okay, so just to start off, the winery was going to be called Revolution Cellars. Okay, hell yeah. And it was R E V E. So like Revolution, uh, where Rev means dream in French. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was kind of just like a dream of two guys, my buddy Jacob and. His girl was named Casey, uh, but we all wanted to go in on this together, and we were going to throw down money for the uh, fruit, and we had, like, partnered up with the Pisonis, and, yeah, we were getting the Santa Lucia Highlands fruit, and so that's how I learned about it. They took us out on four-wheelers, drove us up and down the vineyard, said, you guys can pick anything you want. Like, we have contracts with everyone, but, like, honestly, uh, just pick, like, a row or something. And so we picked, like, a row or two, and so they gave us some fruit. But we were fermenting it, and um, we had Chardonnay, and we had Pinot. And then the fires of 2019 came through, and this facility was in Coffee Park. And so the fires shut us down, and we weren't able to go in for, like, two weeks. And so all the wine just, like, went to absolute, like, hell, from what I heard. And so they were going to take an insurance claim out on it and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, man. And I was just so caught up in harvest at the time that I was like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't have even time to think about it because I was in harvest. And I'm like, went for it. Because I was still working. Like, that wasn't, like, my one, like, bet right there. It was just like, oh, fuck. That's right in the middle of all that. But I still got to work. Yeah, exactly. uh, (laughs) Work just still starts tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I got to do it. (laughs) So 
<laughs> starting my own label did not go well the first time. And that's what you got to learn from Mother Nature. Mother Nature can deal you any hand she wants at any time. Yeah, true, true. Right. Yeah. She just does. She's true. a cruel mistress. She'll yeah. do what she wants. But she can also be super bountiful at times. Yeah. And, like, yeah. depending on the year that you get in, it could be completely different. And that's what I learned that year. And so I've gone in multiple mm-hmm. times and, like, done my own thing because – it's fun, but like, yeah, that one year where I had the Santa Lucia Highlands fruit, that's what went down. And it was, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you learned a hard lesson that year. I'm sure that shit was right. soul crushing. Probably. Oh, yeah, because you see how good this fruit is. Yeah. That's yeah. what we had. That's like, and we're like, oh my gosh. Have you ever tried starting another label after that one or no? Uh, Lauren's getting me to my yeah. new housemate. She's totally into that, and she's like, I've got the licenses. We can sell your stuff, whatever you want. So if you make wine, we can sell it. And so yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm a damn good salesman, so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I go out there and sell wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you have, like, an idea on, like, what you'd want to make? Uh, Yeah. Mm. To be honest with you, my absolute favorites would mm. be GSM, Grenache Syrah, Mubedra. Mm-hmm. I would fucking love to make uh, one yeah. of those. Mm-hmm. Or I would love to do a Viognier Syrah. Mm-hmm. Just because those are fun. And they pull yeah. out so much pigment and like yeah. beautiful wines. And they taste cool too because it's a little white wine, mm-hmm. a little red. And they're yeah. co-fermented. So yeah. Oh, Interesting, right Brian. Yeah, that right? sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so much fun. Like, <laughs> if I could, that's like the nerdy winemaker in me wanting to yeah. just be like, this is what I would make if I could make anything. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, this is the one I want to make. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, because Viognier is floral too. So you get kind of those like Gewurztraminer sort of vibes. Gewurztraminer would be my absolute favorite. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. If no. I could just make Gewurztraminer or like Moscato de Alexandria. I'd be in it like <laughs> Moscato winery. <laughs> I, I remember. Oh my god! I remember me and uh, Miguel wanted to make a Moscato the bucket. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Moscato smells like roses. Like you're not gonna go wrong with that varietal. It's so pretty. Oh yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned on that one. <laughs> yeah. So you get roses, peaches, lychee, like. And if it's underripe, you get a little bit of green apple. So, like, there's so many good flavors in Moscato. Like, right. Yeah. I'm telling Paz, I want him to be my consulting winemaker on my label. Yeah. <laughs> help me with the bench trials. and the Oh, I'll help you with blend. so much stuff. Like, I know, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, the style I'm going for, too. So, I think that's oh, yeah. the, the hardest relationship to Elegance. form with somebody. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, someone I was with on the barrel, Tasty described it as, some people make the wine as like they're on the stage and not playing on the stage. So it's all on the style you want to go for. And unless you can understand what that little slight difference means, I don't think you understand or you can taste it in the wines. But You can't really taste it in the wines, but you know, like when you're making it, you know exactly. the style of the winemaker. And so like you have to listen to each individual winemaker. And that's what I was saying. Yeah. There's, Every winery I've ever been to, there's been a different style of winemaking and a different technique to how you approach every cellar activity. Mm -hmm. And it's wild that, like, even the same thing can mean something so different depending on the equipment that you've bought in the past and the crew. Yeah. It's so wild to me. 
and then these traditions are passed on like through this artisan workmanship where like you just keep learning more and more every single time yeah i feel like i definitely saw that like gunlock especially uh-huh. since we were custom crush and like seeing different oh, winemakers wine yeah. like point of view and stuff like that you know it's pretty wild, yeah. uh, but every winemaker has a different style yeah, and different For technique. sure, because sometimes we'd be like, why do they want to do it this way? It doesn't make sense. Oh, especially JJ. Yeah, especially. <laughs> that's, why, yeah. that's why my favorite answer in this wine industry for mostly any question is, it depends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, well, so true. You know, the wine, yeah. you know, depends on what the winemaker, the house style goes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it depends on the year. It nature. really does. Yeah. Everybody's got a different technique, you know. So, but uh wrapping up, I mean, we're kind of drawing out to the tail end. We got this uh section we call quick hitters. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's do it. Um do you have a favorite wine grape slash styles or region? Okay, this is One about out of the three or all three. This is the most ridiculous answer I can give, and I really want to do it just because of that. My very first wine I ever fell in love with is called Vino Delamore. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Man, you still tell me about that shit all the time. It is a sparkling from Italy. And it's a Moscato Diasti oh, filtered yeah. through rose petals. <laughs> 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 Did it give extra rose flavors? It's got extra <laughs> rose flavors. <laughs> and it's my guilty pleasure. Every time I'm in Texas, I look for it. And everyone always looks at me like I'm crazy in Texas, too, because they're just like, dude, what? That is the cheapest wine ever. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You should have said you like Moscato Diasti because I have one right there. Oh. I'm into that as well. Yeah, <laughs> those are so good. Yeah. They're like, mm. yeah, the flavors are amazing, and if they make them sparkling like Spumante, like, yeah. oh my Honestly, god, you're I'm not gonna spot. lie, I'm with you in the same boat. <laughs> Just to make it quick, I love Moscato de Asti too. It's like one oh, of my favorite it, wines. It took me a while to appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> I was a big hater at first. It's wine drinker, Moscato. Yeah, it's definitely like. But now I'm like, all right. Well, it has to be Moscato de Asti. Yeah, if it's a de Asti, if you tell me de Asti, I'll fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, nah. nah, but respect to all the wines and all the styles, regions out there. Mm-hmm. No hate on nobody. <laughs> uh, you know, we can't knock anything until we try it. <laughs> yeah, try Moscato de Asti. <laughs> <laughs> and try that sparkling of... Vino oh, de la Mor. Vino de la Mor. through rose <laughs> Open your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My favorite question is, what is your favorite wine memory, bottle you drank or worked on or helped on? Oh, my God. So many. Jesus Christ. Um, Wow. I haven't been asked that question before. That was a flood of thoughts. (laughs) Well, I guess, yeah, because I think. um, Okay. I'm not going to say which winery this was. (laughs) But I went to a smaller winery to work at, um, and the cellar master, the first day, after training and everything, came out to me and that winemaker I had mentioned earlier and said, hey, I've been growing all this weed this whole time. I have a half pound for you and a half pound for you. Here, take this, but use it wisely. <laughs> <laughs> that's that California love right there and it man. was like 
are you serious? And they're like, yeah, just go ahead. Smoke it anytime you want. But no, you will get stoned. (laughs) 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 And I was like, oh my gosh. All right. Well, um, it's going to be a fun harvest. This is going to be a good harvest. Thank (laughs) you. This is the first day of work. In my head, I'm thinking that. And I'm just like, Wow, I love the fucking wine industry. So, and I can tell you multiple stories along those lines, like from different portions of the wine industry. Oh man, but yes, that was a great memory where uh, I'll never forget my first day at that winery. <laughs> oh my god! So, Northern California wine industry. Yeah, yep. no, it's. <laughs> That's pretty freaking awesome. I'm like, man, that's a great first day. <laughs> that was a great first day. <laughs> All right. So the next question we had is like, what's your favorite alcoholic beverage? Like, it can be like a cocktail or anything. A beer. Like uh, a beer. Oh, to be honest with you, right now it's been old fashions. Old fashions? Yeah, I love an old fashioned. Uh, Why? <laughs> so... I decided to cut beer out of my life. Mm-hmm. Not out of my life, but for a hundred days. Yeah. I still want to drink Death and Taxes. Oh, that's a good beer. <laughs> that's a great beer. Yeah, it's a like, great beer. That's my number one go to. Little something something's my like have around. Yeah. And um but I cut out beer, so my go to drink throughout this whole entire time for the hundred days. Has been old fashions. Nice, nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because you never hear people with whiskey bellies. You hear people you know, with beer, beer bellies. bellies. And that was my reasoning behind it. And I was like, I'm going to cut out beer until I lose this like Thanksgiving, Christmas like craziness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A few weeks ago, we had a night where we were just drinking old fashions. Old fashions are great. Yeah. It's whiskey, a little bit of simple syrup, and then uh, oh, with the cut some orange. orange. Yeah. Bitters. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's simple and yeah. nice. It's simple and nice, yeah. That's such a good drink. Although the little mm. bit of sugar does give me a headache the next morning, though. It does. That's just because yeah. it's the sugar for me. That's what gets me a, a lot of headaches or the hangovers. But then I'm just drinking straight whiskey other yeah. than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so like at that it point, out. I have like, like yeah. 10 cocktails and then I'm going to neat. I mean, yeah. sometimes I kind of like... Whiskey on the rocks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right. Yeah, whiskey on the rocks is <coughs> a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question here. Uh, favorite venue you've played at? I would have to say my favorite venue, because I've played there multiple times, and I love it every time that I've played there, is the uh, the Phoenix in Petaluma. Oh, Ooh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because um, that was Sublime's last place that they ever played. So oh, their signature is still yeah. up on the wall. I did oh. not know that, actually. There's a bunch of tags in the back, but you can. I'm pretty sure you can see Bradley's like last signature on yeah, that yeah. wall. Because like, I remember like a, a lot of people went to the Phoenix. I think I saw like Sage of the Gemini there. <laughs> oh, so many people yeah. play there? Metallica's played there. Yeah. I didn't know that until I talked to Tom Gaffey, and he was like, oh, yeah, they, yeah. those guys have been it's here. It's kind of crazy because that venue's kind of small. It's, it's very – yeah, but, like, like <laughs> the people they bring in, it's it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And it's in Petaluma. It's the biggest venue in Petaluma. But, like, yeah, I've, yeah, mm. I've talked with Tom Gaffey before, and, like, he brings out, like, the most insightful thoughts I've ever talked to any mm. venue owner about. 
And it's always just like, like when I brought my violin there, he was like, where's that violin from? And I was like, I think it's from like the 1850s. Cause I looked at the tag inside mm-hmm. and then I was like, it's from Germany. And he's like, imagine all the places that thing has gone. Uh, yeah. between those time periods. <laughs> it's made it here to Northern California, and it started in Germany in 1850. What do you think happened? Oh, and I was like, oh, what? Shit. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, why would you ask me that question? But now I've really got to think about <laughs> this. And so, like, I thought about it, and I talked to him about it, and we talked for, like, 30 minutes about all the journeys that that thing could have taken. And it was just like, Okay, uh, yeah. I appreciate my violin like a hundred. It just times made more. you yeah. appreciate what you have. Yeah, you're like, this is a traveled violin. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like, no, you you don't own that violin. That violin owns, owns you, you for part of its lifetime. And I was like, what? Tom Gaffey, Jesus Christ! <laughs> you know, he got like, me so good on that one, and I was just like, all right, well. This violin owns me. Like, I have to do what it needs done. <laughs> right, exactly. That's actually kind of funny because I feel like the guitar I have, like, in my room, like, I didn't own it first. He used to be my friend's. I think, like, he bought it. And then he gave it to me for free. Uh-huh. And then also, like, the acoustic guitar I have was, like, my grandpa's that they got, like, in oh the 70s gosh. in Brazil. And then now it's, like, with me, too. So I'm, like... Like yeah, all my shit has like been life. traveled too, you oh, know. Yeah. They're gonna outlive you. <laughs> they're gonna outlive me because <laughs> they're still admit. good in good condition too. Oh like, yeah, even my amp used to be my friend's too. It's not even, it wasn't even mine. I didn't buy it. There's many lifetimes yeah. these things will live, and like yeah. you, you're just a part of its lifetime as yeah. much as it's a part of yours. True. So, <laughs> yeah, I need to take some music classes. Mm-hmm. Some music. <laughs> Just throw down like Larry June, yeah. dude. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, wine tastings and shit. Wine tastings shits. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I'm gonna put you at the end of the outro, like when you say it that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just so that you can get a feeling for what it was. <laughs> oh man, uh, you got some more of those quick hitters? Any favorite book, movie, or TV shows currently? The book that I'm reading is John Muir's Journals. Oh. He has honestly opened me up to seeing the world in such a different way, just like even going to Yosemite. So he was the guy that they got to come in and clear those paths. Trailblazer. He was a trailblazer. He's from back in the day. And he was a lumberjack who they trusted enough to cut down the right paths in Yosemite to make it beautiful. Can you imagine that's if a lot of responsibility. The people in the government, and they were like, they're in Yosemite, and they're like, we need to make this a f- national park. Let's call this Lumberjack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know. laughs> There's this one honor. guy who I think has written a lot <laughs> about really it. Like, <laughs> 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 you know. I'll make it look beautiful. <laughs> and it's like, and he built a cabin like right near the waterfalls. So John Muir. Mm-hmm. Like which waterfall? Yosemite? Yeah, the Yosemite yeah. Falls. It's beautiful. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to say three decks or something like that. But yeah. like, it no, it's like there's an upper deck and I think a lower, lower deck. Lower deck, like yeah. Two. So two. We got yeah. Mirror Woods named after him out here, too. Mirror Woods, mm-hmm. too. So I'm reading his journals right now. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great, bro. Because some of the early literature you read, like how you go back in time and try to capture what they were doing. Oh, I got like the Art of War is in the uh, living room right now. But yeah. oh, yeah. my favorite books, too. I, I, mean, I, got has the Art of War. I have yeah, the Art of War. I read. 
started the art of war when we when I worked at Landmark because you told me about it, and I yeah. remember every morning I would read like a part of the art of war before uh, I went to work. No, it's <laughs> yeah, it's in my living room, and I'm just like, I gotta the read art this. Of peace, yeah. the, the book of five rings, fucking. Oh, oh I still yeah. have yeah. the book of five rings. I need to read. Peaceful, I need to read that. Warrior, the peaceful fucking. warrior is so good. You feel me? Like, oh you just my gotta, gosh. I also have the Tao. Oh like yeah, right that's in there yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I gotta show you this read? book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the the teachings of Don Juan, the Yaki way of knowledge. Oh, what? I also read that because you told you should read. I gotta read that, that one. The great one, bro. Honestly, I, I, that's the, what got me back into reading. The teachings of Don Juan is a good one. You gotta <laughs> read that. <laughs> I got an early edition. If you want, I'll let you borrow it. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. And then one of my favorite questions: uh, Any favorite artists or albums you're currently listening to? Ooh. Because I know you're a musician. You're like your taste is your spectrum's all over the place, bro. It is. Um, to be honest with you, right now, if I could recommend any person on this planet at any point in time, it'd be Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys. Mm-hmm. As much as I know, Bill Monroe like parted ways with them in a harsh way. Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys. Every single one of those players is ringers, and they bring it every time. And so every one of those songs, if you're actually listening to the musicianship and the lyrical like style of it, those are such good songs, and they're all from the 1950s. And like, just put yourself in that time when you listen to it. Because if you take it into that context, good Lord, that is some of the best music you'll ever listen to. Nice. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I'm sold right there. I, I, mean, I was like getting lost in just you telling me that. Like, <laughs> oh, you get lost in a different time, and they're okay. Also, imagine this: they performed all of those songs at the Grand Ole Opry mm-hmm. in oh, Nashville. Wow. So, like, that's what's going on there. When you're listening to those songs, they were recorded and performed at the Grand Ole Opry. Oh, yeah. Oh shoot! Okay, so you're in for a treat, regardless. But also, in your mind, just put yourself in that spot because you will have the best experience listening to that music. Going, this was performed there. Jesus Christ! Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, All right, listen, everybody. And then the 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 last piece of quick hitters. What is the favorite piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, I've been given some good advice before. Um, honestly, that Randy Olam quote, mm-hmm. the um, pretty much don't ever ask anybody to do something for you that you wouldn't yourself do first. Right. Like Those are good words to live by. Yeah, always think about, like, if you were asking yourself to do this, would you do it? Yeah, would that be fair? Yeah. But also make sure that person's, like, more qualified than you at doing the job. Right. <laughs> <Yeah. know>. mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if I'm going to, like, ask somebody, hey, can you, like, do this analysis? I want to make sure, like, I've trained them to the point where I'm, like, they're better than I am at this. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, Jesse, that's how you were. <laughs> you trained me where I was, like, yo, I got this. and Oh, yeah. You had it better than I did at that point. And I was like, all right, I've trained Jesse to the point where, like, he's got this. Yeah, this okay. is his technique. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That level of empathy when you're trying to uh, teach someone or ask somebody to do something, it's important because, you know, you're just like, if I wouldn't do it, no way I'm going to make them do it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
if you ask somebody to take out the trash, you better be ready to go take out the trash yourself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Walk, they'll say walk their walk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I've made that like walk with the trash cans during so many weddings. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like pretty embarrassed to walk um, amongst all these people like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm doing it. I told them, could they do it? <laughs> well, I think uh, for now, I think we'll. Um, we're at a good wrapping point to call yeah. it, call it. Let the people know where they can follow you, where they yeah. can uh, find your, your group. Are you on Spotify? Oh, yeah. Come and follow us. The band is called Julie and the Wheelbarrow. So if you look that up, I mean, we're pretty much the only one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not too hard. Do, do you guys have an Instagram? Yeah, Julie and the Wheelbarrow. So, uh, or you could find me too. I'm Paz Del Rescate, P-A-Z-D-E-L-R-E-S-C-A-T-E. And just find me like if you want and follow my journey through all this as well. Because yeah, I'm, I'm learning every day that this life brings new shit every single day. So, (laughs) um, and I'm just putting it out there whenever I find something new. I mean, I'll put that out there too because this wine industry is wild and I keep living in it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well Can said, well said. <laughs> thank well, you for your time today, yeah. man. Yeah, well, thank you, Paz, for coming on oh, to the Rap of Wisdom. Oh, anytime. <laughs> no, you'll yeah. probably be a repeat uh, guest. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> cheers, cheers. Cheers. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of ripe with wisdom you can follow us on all of our local social medias you can find us at instagram uh, our email ripe with wisdom at gmail.com and anywhere you can listen to a podcast uh, google podcast spotify and most others and thank you all for tuning in we hope to see you again next time take care